The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Hello, everybody. This is Galen McDowell. I am the host of Truth Transforms, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. I'm in the midst of a series titled Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which is based on the book of the same title by the author T. Harv Eker, E-K-E-R. And we're going to be doing this show based on or this series basically as long as I feel as though I need to teach the book. I really haven't put an uh, end date on it. I just want to be able to make sure that the material in this book is fleshed out, taught well, and then we can kind of go from there and, and see, you know, what spirit is leading me to do. Uh, as I stated before, my request is, strong request is that you actually purchase the book. I don't know T. Harv Ecker. I don't know anything about him outside of what I've read or watched on YouTube. However, I do know that this book is powerful and I think it's a game changer far as when you it's a game changer in your when it comes to changing your mind about success, prosperity and money. So currently we're in the series, the uh, on the chapter, rather the wealth files, which is part two of the book. And I'm going to pick up on where I left off last week, which was wealth file number one. Rich people believe I create my life. Poor people believe life happens to me. Now, one of the things that I did last week is I actually gave a few caveats that he gave in the book. I'm going to read them again, and I'm going to read them before I cover any material because I think it's important to remind people about these caveats. First one, page 52. I do not believe that rich people are better than poor people. They are just richer. So this isn't talking about the value of a human being. Second, when I discuss rich, poor, and middle-class people, what I am referring to is their mentality. 
again, he's not talking about the value of human beings. Third, I will be generalizing big time. In other words, he's creating uh, a polarity. In other words, rich people think like this, poor people think like this. Does that mean every rich person thinks like this? Every poor person thinks like that? Not necessarily completely. But he's what he's doing is giving you the core beliefs that produce one experience versus the other. All right. Fourth, for the most, most part, I will not always be referring to the middle class specifically because middle class people usually have a mix of rich and poor mentalities. So this book is about a contrast between the way rich people think and poor people think. Again, this is not necessarily a book about the middle class. Fifth, several of the principles in this section may appear to deal more with habits and actions than with ways of thinking. Remember, our actions come from our feelings, which come from our thoughts. Consequently, every rich action is preceded by a rich way of thinking. So in other words, at times he's going to address habits. Why? Because when you start looking at your habits, you'll discover what you have been thinking. And that makes a difference. All right. Finally, I'm going to ask you to be willing to let go of being right. What I mean by that is be willing to let go of having to do it your way. Why? Because your way has gotten you exactly what you've got right now. If you want more of the same, keep doing it your way. If you're not rich, however, maybe it's time to consider a different way, especially one that comes from someone who is really, really rich and has put thousands of others on the road to wealth, too. It's up to you. So what he's basically saying is I've succeeded with some core principles that I've discovered believed and followed through on and produced certain results. He's saying, I have taught other people these principles and I put them on the path to wealth. Therefore, give him an opportunity to teach you the material. Again, this is why you should have the book. So now that I've covered those things, and again, I'll be covering those probably most likely for every show because I want to make sure that as I'm doing the contrast, it's not stirring up your triggers because then you'll possibly turn a deaf ear to what I have to say. All right. Page 56, victim clue number two, justifying. If victims aren't blaming, you will often find them justifying or rationalizing that situation by saying something like money's not really important. Now, one of the things that Reverend Ike used to always say, who was the great teacher of prosperity in the 20th century, he would say, never say what money isn't. Never say what money isn't. Now, why is that important? Because psychologically, you are trying to uh, put money in a role that is not, wasn't designed to be in. You know, he talks about it later in the book on the next page about love and whatever. And I tell people, love isn't for sale and it shouldn't be for sale. But what can you do with wealth? What can you do with greater prosperity? What can you do with more money? Around the things that really matter to you. You know, after you get the stuff that you want and get the stuff that you want, the house, the cars, the whatever, the clothes, whatever, the bling or jewelry is bling is an urban term. But anyway. 
my point is there's some things that matter to you. And there are people who matter to you. How can wealth help you? Instead of justifying why you don't have something by making statements like money isn't important, start thinking about what you can do with money. He talks about in his book on page 56 how people come up to him all the time and say, you know, uh, money isn't really that important. And then he looks at them and says, you're broke, right? And then they kind of stumble through it and he challenges them again, yes or no. Or yes or yes, basically. In other words, people with wealth are not going to say money isn't important. It is important. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, in my staff meetings and when I walk around this big, gigantic church called Christ Universal Temple, I'm always turning off lights. And I tell people, Jesus doesn't pay the phone bill. I mean, the light bill. It's a joke. Jesus doesn't play Commonwealth Edison to keep this the electricity flowing in this church. Why is that important? It's important because people have to recognize that it takes money to keep the lights on, the heat on, to, you know, phones on, et cetera, to buy the things we need to do to be effective in ministry. Now, how's that any different than your household? You can't go to the grocery store and say, I'm a really nice person and I love God. And then they give you a, a, a grocery a, cart, a grocery cart full of food. No, they're going to say, where's your money? All right, back to the book. Page 57. Let me put it bluntly. Anyone who says money isn't important doesn't have any. <laughs> Next paragraph. Listen up, my friends. Money is extremely important in the areas in which it works and extremely unimportant in the areas in which it doesn't. And although love may make the world go around, it sure doesn't pay for the building of any hospitals, churches, or homes. It also doesn't feed anybody. So just be present to any conversations you have about justifying why you don't have the wealth you desire. Because we'll come up with our reasons and then we'll justify it and then we'll, be, we'll become resigned in the belief. He goes on to say, not convinced? Try paying your bills with love. I just said that. Then he says, still not sure? Then pop over to the bank and try depositing some love and see what happens. It's important to understand what it's for and what it isn't for. Money, from, especially from a metaphysical standpoint, is just the, the manifestation of the substance of God, the supply of God, the provision of God in your life. And because money is the means of exchange in our modern society, that's how God's supply shows up. Oh, let me rephrase that. That's one of the ways in which God's supply, God's substance shows up. No different than the manna falling from, from the heavens in the Old Testament of the Bible or, you know, the other miraculous situations and circumstances, whether you believe them or not. The point of those stories or those narratives is to tell you that there is a divine provision that can be met. This is why even in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus instructed people to say, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, the daily bread is provision. 
Now, your daily bread might be food. It might be money. It might be opportunity. It might be the job that you're looking for. It might be the business success you need. Give us this day whatever is necessary for the complete, perfect, and whole expression of my life, God. Give us this day our daily bread. I don't know what your daily bread is, but we, if you're a person that was living living in the uh, you know what the world calls the Middle East, you know the ancient Israel, bread and water literally saved your life. So they used the word bread as a metaphor, and in urban black culture for the last forty plus years, almost basically fifty years now, the term bread has been used as an idiom for money. I can remember being a kid when people were saying, you know, you know, using the term bread for money. Why? Because whatever is needed for your expression can be supplied by a universal presence that transcends our ability to think and feel. But when we align our thinking and feeling with it, Miraculous things can happen. So back to the book, page 57. He says, no rich, no rich people believe money is not important. Point blank. No rich people believe that money isn't important. So it's important that we do what we got to do. So page 58, victim clue number three. Complaining is the absolute worst possible thing you could do for your health, for your health or your wealth. The worst. Why? And he explains, I'm a big believer in the universal law that states what you focus on expands. When you are complaining, what you are focusing on, what's right with your life or what's wrong with it. You're obviously focusing on what's wrong with it. And since what you focus on expands, you'll keep getting more of what's wrong. I love to say it this way, where your attention goes, the power flows. Where your attention goes, the power flows. Where your attention goes, the power flows. I'm a big believer in stopping the negative trend of thought when it's smaller instead of trying to stop it when it's exceptionally large. Now, if it's exceptionally large, in other words, it's become a pattern, you got to do a lot more work. So when those thoughts come up, you got to jump on them, flip them, and get back to where you want to be mentally. I compare it to a snowball at the top of a mountain peak, a snow peak. At the top of the mountain, you throw a snowball off the top of that mountain peak, it's small. You can just catch it with your hand or knock it to the side. But if you let it roll down the mountain and accumulate more snow, and you're standing at the bottom of the mountain in the valley, and you're allowing an avalanche to hit you. That's what happens when people get so negative, they're so pessimistic, complaining, justifying, blaming, that it ends up being a snowball of depression and frustration, anxiety, and fear. And then you're trying to shift all of that energy to prosperity, health, love, and well-being. It can be challenging. And I'm not going to lie to you. Because you let it go on for so long. This is one of the reasons why I tell people who teach new thought, 
hey, be mindful about giving simplistic formulas for things. I believe in formulas, by the way, but I always give the caveat. I don't know where you are in consciousness. So if I say, okay, just read this, do this, say this, do this, whatever, and then you're automatically going to flip. I don't know what's in your soul. I don't know how hard it is for you to let go of some core fundamental belief that's not giving you the divine expression of God's good in your life. Because what I do know is some things have to be shattered in your belief system for you even to accept the possibility of God's good in your life. Therefore, it's important that you consistently catch stuff as early as possible. But if you don't, be willing to do what it takes to shift your consciousness because as Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Just be mindful. All right, back to the book. He goes on to say, many teachers in the personal development field talk about the law of attraction. It states like attracts like, meaning that when you're complaining, you're actually attracting crap into your life. I like the word crap because he's just straight to the point. It doesn't work. Do something different. Then he says, have you ever noticed that complainants usually have a tough life? Now, why? Because they're recycling the old thoughts, the old feelings, the old beliefs. And the universal law has to give you that which you are thinking, feeling, believing, saying, and doing. So you're just recycling the same thing. So you're actually, every time you complain and you stay in this negative state of consciousness, which creates experiences, which reinforce the original belief, what ends up happening is you create a cycle that's just going over and over again, recycling the same core belief. But here's the thing. Every time you have a new experience, it reinforces the original belief. This is why shifting your belief to your belief system to prosperity, success, health, money, joy, love, wisdom, understanding, etc. is so important because when you have the experience, it gives you something to reinforce that belief. So every time you have a loving experience, it reinforces it. Every time you have a prosperity breakthrough, it reinforces the belief in prosperity. Every time you listen to the innate wisdom and understanding that God has placed within your soul and you get the outcome you desire, it reinforces it. Well, I can just pray, turn within, and get guidance. But when you worry and you're frustrated or you're angry or you're mad or you're fearful and you get the the equivalent of those beliefs in physical manifestation, you also reinforce those type of situations. You know, somebody, you know, breaks your heart in a relationship. Now, that's your belief. You have a situation where you start dealing with somebody and they do something that you don't like. That original belief kicks in. Now it's reinforced. See, I knew, et cetera, et cetera. Then you can go to a next step. See, I'll never put myself out there like that again. Okay, now you, 
the intimacy and vulnerability and connection that's needed for a relationship is not is now not something you're willing to be present to. So you will consistently now attract people who are not present to that situation. And and they will continually do things that will reinforce that belief to either allow you to maintain it or take another step to it. Well, I'm just not going to deal with anybody. And then you get to have the experience of not being with anybody. But it's just a belief. It's just a belief. It's just a belief. You go to one job, you're complaining about the boss, the co-workers, they talk too much, they gossip, they this, they that, et cetera, et cetera. You go to the next job, same thing happens. You go to the next job, same thing happens. They're always in my business. They're always doing this. They're always doing that. Go to the next job. The same thing happens. And then possibly you wake up and realize the common denominator is you. And when you and how you're interacting in the situation, how it's occurring to you and your actions from it. Instead of saying, I'm not here for that. Therefore, I'm here to do what I need to do. Do it successfully and well. And I'm a loving person who lives in a loving experience. Anybody that's not a part of that loving experience will not gravitate towards me. So if they try to bring that junk to me because I'm in love, I did, I, I set that aside. I choose not to accept it and I continue to do what I'm supposed to do. Doesn't mean everything that a person does or doesn't do I'll like or agree with. But I choose to be my own experience. Or I unconsciously I'm deciding, I am unconsciously deciding to be my own experience. You either consciously decide to be your own experience or you unconsciously decide to be your own experience. But you are always your own experience. All right, back to the book. So he gives a, a a challenge on page 59. He says, here's some homework that I promise will change your life. For the next seven days, I challenge you not to complain at all, not just out loud, out loud, but in your head as well. But you have to do it for a full seven days. And he talks about how powerful this exercise has been for the people he's taught it to, because we don't realize how often we complain about everything. And we're reinforcing beliefs that through universal law will bring us results. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way, really simply. Galatians 6, 7, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. Where does a man sow? In thought, feeling, word, and action. God is not mocked. In other words, you can't fool the universe by planting tomato seeds and expecting an orange tree with oranges on it. God is not mocked. And you can't sow thoughts of lack, fear, anxiety, frustration, doubt, complaining, blaming, and justifying and expect to get extraordinary 
success and prosperity results. Point blank. Man is what he thinks about all day long. That's a paraphrase of Ralph Waldo Emerson. Man is what he thinks about all day long. Back to the book. So, page 59, he says, Blame, justification, and complaining are like pills. They're nothing more than stress reducers. They elevate the stress of failure. Think about it. If a person weren't failing in some way, shape, or form, would he or she need to blame, justify, or complain? The obvious answer is no. From now on, as you hear yourself disastrously blaming, justifying, or complaining, cease and desist immediately. All right. So he talks about victimhood. And uh, I'm going to jump into that when I get, come back from the break. We're about two minutes out. So let me give my quick commercial. First of all, if you want to call in and ask a question, you can call in at 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. All right. Reminder that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you go on the show. I'm going to go on the show. Go on the page if you're on Facebook. Like the page. Give it a five-star rating and write a positive review. If you see things on the page that you like, like it, share it. Let's help get this message out around the world. Also, this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give. The show is going to every continent, along with the other shows. And people are contacting me personally from around the world this show matters so let's keep it running let's do what we need to do to keep it going out to the world uh christ universal temple uh website if you want to watch our live stream of our service from 10 30 a.m until 12 noon central time you can go to the christ universal temple website at www.cutemple.org and cutemple.org, Christ Universal Temple, to watch our services. You can also watch our services on our YouTube channel, CU Temple, or through our Christ Universal Temple app, which is called CU, excuse me, Christ Universal Digital, which is on the Apple, in the Apple Store, Apple App Store, and in the Google Play Store. Part of our app now is we have the Johnny Coleman archives on the app. For $4.97, you can get access to an ever-growing archive of sermons from the legendary Johnny Coleman. All right. Reminder about Panorama of Truth, which is the Conference for the Universal Foundation for Better Living. Uh, It's on July 17th through the 21st. You can go to www.ufbl.org for more information. UFBL.org. We have uh, powerful speakers and a great agenda. And also the International New Thought Alliance. I'll be speaking there on July 25th. Uh, You can get more information, INTA, whatever that website is. God bless you. We'll be right back. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. 
celebrating diversity and inclusivity for Pride Month. We are one. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous donations of listeners like you. If you feel inspired by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make your offering today. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Meditation Minute with Paulette Pipe. So as always, we begin our time of meditation by first taking account of what we're feeling, those sights that we're seeing, those sensations that we're experiencing, and each breath that we breathe. Notice where in your body you're experiencing those sensations. Let your breathing find its own rhythm. As we begin the process of letting go, the process of relaxation. Remember why we're here. To hear more from Paulette Pipe and Touching the Stillness, visit the archives section at unityonlineradio.org. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear their beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. Call today, 816-969-2000. Discover Unity Village, and you'll find a peaceful oasis just 15 miles from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. If you're doing business in the area or looking for the perfect place for your retreat or conference, check out all that Unity Village has to offer. With 1,200 wooded acres, a beautiful nature trail, award-winning rose garden, golf course, and newly redesigned hotel and conference center, Unity Village has everything you need for that perfect event. Go to unityvillage.org to find out more. If you're wondering what's holding you back from living your passion, it's probably you. Get out of your own way and join Vincent Jenna every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time for Stop Stopping Yourself. Vincent uses his gifts as a psychic medium and spiritual teacher, as well as a master's in social work to help people find real answers to what's causing them pain. Listen live and join the show with your questions and comments right here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Uh, Again, I'm in the midst of teaching this series, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. So let me again give the number if you want to call in. You can call in at 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. So on page 60, he talks about 
you know, being a victim. There's no such thing as a really rich victim. Basically, what he's saying is, first of all, you know, it's it's a mentality. And it's also a situation where people just don't care when you're succeeding and then you want to complain about what you can't do or whatever. People really not trying to hear it. Um, so anyway, he says on page 60, what do people get out of being a victim? The answer is attention. Isn't attention important? You bet it is. But I think what he's trying to say is we created the critical era of putting our value around attention. So he says on page 61, it's time to decide you can be a victim or you can be rich, but you can't be both. Listen up every time. And I mean, every time you blame, justify or complain, you are slitting your financial throat. Then he says in the next paragraph, realize that you create your wealth, your nine wealth and every level in between so you can complain or you can get focused on what you need to produce in your life you can complain you can blame you can justify or you can be in action you can complain you can justify you can blame or you can be doing the work the prayer work the visualization work the affirming the studying the you know the other mental work that's necessary visualizing to Get your mind conditioned for the experience you desire. All right. So he gives these homework assignments called Millionaire Mind Actions at the end of every wealth file. And, you know, I was going to teach those, but I think I think it would be great if you just get the book and you read them yourself. All right. So he gives two wealth file Millionaire Mind Actions at the end of this chapter. You can get the book and you can study that on your own. Wealth file number two. Rich people play the money game to win. Poor people play the money game not to lose. Big difference. Rich people play the money game to win. Poor people play the money game not to lose. All right. So he says, poor people play the money game on defense rather than offense. Let me ask you. If you were to play any sport or any game strictly on defense, what are the chances of, of your winning that game? Most people would agree, slim and none. All right. So in other words, you can't play the money game not to lose. That don't mean you, you make stupid decisions, unwise decisions. What it does mean is that you play to win. All right. What does that look like? He says, the goal of truly rich people is to have massive wealth and abundance, not just some money, but lots of money. So what is the big goal of poor people? To have enough to pay the bills and on time would be a miracle. Again, let me remind you of the power of intention. When your intention is to have enough to pay the bills, that's exactly how much you'll get. Just enough to pay the bills and not a dime more. He says middle class people at least go a step further. Too bad it's a tiny step. Their big goal in life also happens to be their favorite word in the whole wide world. They just want to be comfortable. I hate to break the news to you, but there's a huge difference between being comfortable and being rich. Uh, It's a big deal. Because I remember something Les Brown said years ago in the early 90s. He said when he was 
uh, up and up and coming motivational speaker. He just wanted to be comfortable enough to be able to you know, buy a house for his mama, take care of his family, do the things he wanted to do. He said, I just wanted to be comfortable. And then he discovered to truly be comfortable in the United States of America, you need to be rich. In other words, to be able to do the things that you want to do with the freedom to do it without having to pause and stop and say, okay, I can't do that because if I pay this, I won't have anything for that. If I help my mama out, I won't have any money to take care of myself. Things like that come up in day-to-day life. You know, when people are feeling as though they're comfortable, in other words, they're not struggling, you know, they make enough money to be just above broke at the end of the month. So in other words, you have the house, you have the car, you have the clothes, you have the job. But I save an article in my phone that just came out a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things it talks about is the amount of people who are literally, literally one paycheck missing from financial ruin. Like literally, if they miss one check, they can't pay their mortgage or rent. If they miss one check, they can't pay their car note. If they miss one check, they can't pay their bills, the light or the heat. If they miss one check, they're sacrificing food or the ability to be mobile. Literally, based upon the data, based upon what CBS put out earlier this year. Actually, I saw the article a couple of weeks ago, but it came out in January. It says that 40% of Americans only one missed paycheck away from poverty. I'm going to repeat it. The wealthiest nation on the planet. 40% of Americans only one missed paycheck away from poverty. As I've stated many times before. Many people don't even have the Dave Ramsey emergency, uh, you know, basic emergency fund of $1,000. Just in case the car does this, the flat tire that, um, you know, emergency situation comes up. You know, you know, according to Dave Ramsey and a lot of other financial gurus that a person of a person or a household should have three to six months worth of 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 liquid assets to take care of their responsibilities. In other words, if something happens, can you live three months with the rent of the mortgage, the food, and all your other bills and responsibilities? He says three to six months, depending on the how you feel about security. Now, why is this important? Because stuff happens. You know, I can remember I was talking, I was, I was in Carson Peary Scott 
and before it closed down and I was talking to this guy uh, uh, teller or cashier that teller cashier who was ringing me up and you know I was like hey you know it's been these stores closing around closing down or whatever he's like no they've just reinvested in this store and they've put more money in it and you can look at this this and this you know they assured us that you know this store actually makes money and we're going to go forward I'm like oh man that's great you know this is convenient for me to be able to come in here pop in here get some shirts some ties and whatever so obviously I wanted to work then I found out that one day they went in early and was basically told the store is closing today. Told everybody to go home. And then reached out to you know basically had an employee meeting. Everybody come in and they closed the store that day. They didn't even open it. Stuff happens. So if you have if you if you're striving for comfortable and comfortable for you means you can take care of all your responsibilities on time but you have very little cushion, it might be time to shift that belief. Because even real comfortable is three to six months of money on an emergency fund that can take care of three to six months of your life if you didn't have another dollar come in for at least three months. I know that's a serious goal for uh, for a lot of folks. I'm putting it out there because I want to challenge you to it. Because then we whine and cry or whatever, or then we do something like we put it on credit cards. We create debt instead of dealing with our psychology. So now we have the 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 the, the emergency. And the credit card bills and still lack the discipline to create what we need to create. So anyway, moving on. Page 64, it gives some great stories, but I'm not about to drill down on these stories right now. My point is this. Page 64. It boils down to this. If your goal is to be comfortable chances are you'll never get rich. But if your goal is to be rich, chances are you'll end up mighty comfortable. So say, for instance, you don't achieve the level of wealth you intend to experience, but you'll be close to it. And maybe your goal, half of your goal, might be 300% of where you are right now. He says it this way on page 64. One of the principles we teach in our programs is if you shoot for the stars, you'll at least hit the moon. Poor people don't even shoot for the ceiling in their house, and then they wonder why they're not successful. Well, they just found out. You get what you truly intend to get. If you want to get rich, your goal has to be rich, not to have enough to pay the bills, not just enough to be comfortable. Rich means rich. So he gives this declaration, which I forgot to give on the last uh, two wealth files. but I mean, the last wealth file, number one, but that's neither here nor there. You can go back and read it. So he says, place your hand on your heart 
my goal is to become a millionaire and more. And then he says, touch your head and say, I have a millionaire mind. Now, again, he gives some millionaire mind action steps that you can get that I think are really good. Write this down, do this, do that, et cetera, that you can get when you purchase the book on page 65, Millionaire Mind Actions. All right. Wealth file number three. Rich people are committed to being rich. Poor people want to be rich. Now, you can say, well, that's not true. Okay, what does commitment really look like? He says it this way. Let me rephrase it. Years ago, I bought a book. I think it was about Robert Allen and somebody else. I can't remember who the other co-author of the book is off the top of my head right now. And in the book, it was a side-by-side book. It might have been like the One Million Millionaire. I don't know. But anyway, but it was two books. One was a how-to book on the right side. On the left side, it was a story. And on the story, it was a it was a story about a, a person whose loved one had gotten kidnapped. And to get their loved one back, based upon the story, the person had to produce a million dollars legally in a finite amount of time. Now, of course, the story, that's horrible. But it made me think as I was reading the book, which I think is the intent. If all that mattered to me was to get the person that I love the most back. In a finite amount of time, could I produce a million dollars? Heck of high water. Yes. Then why is it that I don't have a million dollars? Because I'm not committed to it at the level that it would take to get my loved one back. If that was your child, your spouse, your mother, your father, your grandchild, your best friend. And you had to be creative enough to get it legally in a finite amount of time. I think you would amaze yourself. What would it take? What what would what would life look like if you play all out? See, we admire people who play all out, but and we live vicariously through them. You know, when you start talking about, you know, religious leaders, a Gandhi, a Martin Luther King, they lived all out. Walked away from whatever it was and and played the game of life and whatever game they were playing all out. Athletes. You know, when you see the, you know, there's a famous picture of uh, the Hall of Fame basketball player Dennis Rodman when he was on the Bulls diving into the audience like he's Superman after a loose ball. One of the greatest players who've ever played the game. And and here he is diving, diving into an audience for one ball, one possession. But anybody, Dennis Rodman might have been perceived to be quite loony, crazy. And I don't know his mental state. It's not for me to say or not say. He played like it, though. But the other thing that he did, though, he played all out, 100%, no matter what. I can remember my own 
maternal grandmother who was not a sports person, but I got her watching the Bulls in the during the Jordan era. And her favorite player was Dennis Rodman. She was in her 80s. And she would always talk about how hard he played. All out. How Because he had to get the rebound. See, some people want the rebound. He had to get the rebound. He had to get that defensive stop. Not maybe. He had to get it. No wiggle room. Where's your wiggle room? Back to the book. So he goes on to say that on page 67, the universe, which is another way of saying higher power, is aching to a big mail order department. It is constantly delivering people, events, and things to you. You order what you get by sending energetic messages out to the universe based on your predominant beliefs. Again, based on the law of attraction, the universe will do its best to say yes and support you. But if you have mixed messages in your file, the universe can't understand what you want. Mm. So if you got these mixed messages about what rich people are and what they aren't, which he covers in the book, it, you're actually contradicting your own self. and You're expecting your mind to, to be able to energetically project out into the universe that what you desire when you're literally sideswiping your own intention. Then he says, bottom of page 67, the number one reason most people don't get what they want is that they don't know what they want. And I might say, of course I know what I want, but if you really sat down and said, okay, two minutes, what do you want out of life? What do you want to produce in your life? What do you want to experience? And you got two minutes to tell me, and I can make it happen. If that was the experience, say for instance, like the movie Aladdin, and you got the you have the genie and you have the wishes, what would you say? What would you say? All right. Page sixty-eight. He says. Earlier we, talked, earlier, we talked about the power of intention. I know it might be hard to believe, but you always get what you want, what you subconsciously want, not what you say you want. Now, I want to I give some structure around this. Folks have individual belief systems and they have collective, we have collective belief systems we buy into. You can buy into a belief that you might not be aware of. And it can affect how you think and see things. For instance, when I was a teenager, there used to be a statement that used to circulate around African-American neighborhoods and in the media. The statement was, black men are endangered species. And being a Chicago youth on the south side of Chicago, uh, hearing statements like that was like, oh, okay. What is an endangered species? So you, you know, you look it up. You're like, oh, okay. I'm not going to claim that for myself. Now, I didn't know anything about New Thought. But I knew that I was not going to walk around 
proclaiming that I am an endangered species. Huh? Now, I get the point of what people were trying to say. They were like, pay attention to what's happening in the community with black youth, black young males in particular. I get their point. I really do. And I have compassion for the point. But I couldn't claim that for myself. I was not going to walk around with the belief that that I was an endangered species. So if I get stopped by the police, I'm an endangered species. If I'm at, at the party, then the stuff might jump off because I'm an endangered species. I might be around the wrong people or whatever. That that consciousness draws particular can, can draw particular things to you. No. Uh, wisdom will tell me where I'm supposed to be and where I'm not supposed to be. And where I'm supposed to be, I know that the presence and power of God surrounds me and wherever I go that I'm supposed to be um, connected to God and protected by God. I believe it completely. So I don't have fear about going places. I don't go places just to go, just to, you know, I'm going to test you today, spirit. I don't believe if I get pulled over that stuff, something's going to happen to me. Why? Because right things happen to me. Now you can say, well, that's, you know, that, you know, that's not the reality of black America. And I would agree to you with you. That's not, but I'm choosing my reality and I'm saying, choose yours. And you choose it and you choose it because if you don't choose it, you default to the cultural conditioning of the society. So even if the person had the bad intent around me, for whatever reason, they can't do it because I am a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. I happen to express through an African-American vehicle. Therefore, I'm not afraid of police. I'm not afraid of the gangbanger, and I'm not afraid of the criminal. And I don't have to have any experience that the world or, or, or sociologists or psychologists or ec- economic experts say I have to have. Why? Because I am a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law, and it is the Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom, the kingdom of plenty, of health, of peace, of joy, of love, of harmony, and divine order. When? Right now. Now, when I die by and by, right now. I won't even let people's good intentions rob me of my power. Now, I'll be a stand for other people who might not have my realization. But I'm not going to allow what the world says to rob me of my power. And I'm suggesting you don't you do the same. Part of shifting the mindset to the millionaire mindset, millionaire mind mindset is to get real clear about who you are. You got to locate yourself and you locate yourself by your own beliefs. What time is going fast? Anyway, one more thing, and then I'm, I'm going to stop. Page 69. He says, 
there are three so-called levels of wanting. The first level is I want to be rich. That's another way of saying if I take it, I'll take it if it falls on my lap. Wanting is useless. Wanting becomes habitual and leads only to itself, creating a perfect circle that goes nowhere. So the, the, so the experience of wanting just creates more wanting. It's like chasing a carrot on a stick. The second level of wanting is I choose to be rich. This entails deciding to become rich. Choosing is much stronger energy and goes hand in hand with being responsible for creating your reality. He says choosing is better but not best. The third level of wanting is I commit to being rich. The definition of the word commit is to devote oneself unreservedly. This means holding absolutely nothing back, giving 100% of everything you've got to achieve wealth. It means being willing to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes. This is the warrior's way. No excuses, no ifs, no buts, no maybes, and failure is not an option. The warrior's way is simply, I will be rich or I will die trying. Ah, that's a different conversation. So, we run out of time. Uh, next week, I'm going to have a guest on, so we're going to take a break from the Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, and we'll pick it back up in July. So, uh, have fun. Have a prosperous day. Read the book. Meditate. Pray on it. Do the exercises in the wealth file so you can take actions. Just don't listen to the podcast. Just don't read. Do the exercises. So you can get the results you desire. God bless you. I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.